0: But we're going to be reading book of John, chapter 13, verses 1 to 17. <clears throat> Continuing on, our study of John. Now, before the feast of Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour had come to depart out of this world to the Father, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. During supper
1: 53 years, Annapolis has been EP's home. It's not just our home, it is also our mission. It's a place where uh, we have uh, come to to hope that the Lord would make a movement here. Uh, by, uh, the people who uh, started EP uh, 53 years ago weren't looking to uh, build a church, they were looking Uh, to provide a place where the gospel could be proclaimed and that people who were coming uh, to faith in our community would have a place where they could hear uh, the gospel. We believe that the gospel, if is believed and lived out in the community, that it would change everything. Not just people individualized, but also the entire community. Back in the 1960s, there were very few churches in our community that uh, preach the gospel on a regular basis for Christians and non-Christians to attend. And so a few families uh, got together and I said, let's not just plant a church, but let's uh, start a movement of gospel uh, preaching churches. Over the last five decades, we have been privileged to be part of planting 11 churches in our area and we've watched others even dozens of other churches that preach the gospel get started many of them with people who used to be part of ep that's not something negative that's something to cheer about that's something to celebrate that at one time there was a darth and now there are dozens and dozens of churches where you can hear the gospel where you can take people that you're trying to work with to interact and uh, think through the truth claims of christ we're excited about that now you could say looking back job well done pat yourself on the back or you could say not yet finished more to do this story is not over this is just chapter one finishing and chapter two starting That is, that we are turning the page on what we have accomplished through uh, the grace and mercy of Christ to what he has for us ahead. I think that's more accurate for us. We want to see thousands not hundreds, but thousands of people who didn't know Jesus, know Jesus and began attending these gospel center churches in our community. We believe that if the Lord should give us uh, 10,000, not just at EP, but all the churches in our community, that that would change Anne Arundel County. It would radically change our city. It would radically change our county to have that kind of a tipping point of a momentum of people coming to Christ. It's not hard. Most of people who study this about Anne Arundel County, there's only about 15% of the county that actually goes to church on any given Sunday, which gives us the vast amount of people in our community that don't in any way encounter Jesus and what He claims, and that will have to come from you and people just like you in all the churches of our community. It is our desire to see the gospel in every neighborhood in our county. But this next chapter will require something from you. It will require you to say amen. I believe that's what God's calling us to here at EP and what we want to see partnerships with other churches do the same. Not to do the same old thing the same old way and hope for the same old results but instead focus our attention upon the mission of God and how he has called us to be a part of that. You are a gospel carrier. I know that sounds like a disease. But you have workplaces and neighborhoods and places in which you play that you get to take the gospel with you. And because of that, If you live faithfully to the truth claims that you believe and that the Holy Spirit moves, we believe that will change us. And it will change our city. It will change our county. And we believe because this is such a, a strategic place to be, it could change our nation. And maybe even possibly the world. This is what we mean by missional living. And we believe that is the new chapter of our church. And I share that with you simply because we need tools. And God has amazingly through Jesus Christ given us these incredible tools for the mission. And that's what our text, it draws out the three amazing tools for the church. One is a family meal that we will celebrate and its meaning its purpose, its message that it communicates. That is an incredible tool. Jesus says, do this in remembrance of me. Paul will say, as often as you do this. The point being is that what this demonstrates, what this displays, what this preaches, this message of the table is our message to ourselves and to the world. And that's one incredible tool. And then he has a foot washing. So you have a family meal. You also have a foot washing. And, and uh, some people have made it too much of it. That is, they've almost institutionalized it. That, that it, is, it has become an institution of the church like the Lord's Supper. Or more like us, we've made too little of a foot washing. Because and Jesus says, you don't understand this, but you will. And we'll explain what that means. It is the message of the foot washing that connects the message to people who don't know the message. And then lastly, he'll give a farewell address, a farewell speech that starts here in chapter 13 that won't end until chapter 17. So we're only looking at a little slither of it today. And so if you got that, we're not going to spend very long because we want to get to the table and to the message that will nourish our souls. But I do want to outline these uh, three incredible tools for the church. He's not asking you, go do out that in your own power. Go do that mission in your own strength. Go do that by your own strategies, your own initiatives. Do this with the tools that I provide. The Holy Spirit will use these to advance my kingdom. Because it's not your mission. It's God's mission. It's Jesus' mission. And the church plays a part in the mission. But let's never forget, it's not ours. We have a part, but not the whole. Verse 1 opens with this. It's Jesus' last night. We know that because he says his hour has come. He knew that he was going to die because it says, to depart out of this world... Still in in verse 1, he knew he would leave them behind because he says, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. Jesus knows this is the end. John does something that no other gospel writer, if if, if you hear me say gospel writer, think of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Those are the first four books of the New Testament. Written by four authors about the teachings and miracles of Jesus. And John is the only one that gives more ink, more proportion to the last 24 hours of Jesus' life than any of the other gospel. In fact, more than all the gospel writers combined. It's important for John that we understand. Why Jesus came and why Jesus died so that when he says, just as the Father sent me, so I send you, you know you're not going without a tool. You're not going without a, a, a way to do what he's sending you to do. Tina Turner, who is still alive, she had an incredibly talented Uh, career, but also an incredibly tragic life, particularly with a very abusive uh, husband, Ike. And if you remember, she uh, divorces him in the 80s and she writes a song about that relationship in 1993 called, What's Love Got to Do With It? And if you ask that question, the, the, the commonality between these three tools is love has got everything to do with it. The meal, the foot washing, and the message. So let's look at those. A family meal, again in verse 2, it says during supper. This is the only reference in John to the Lord's Supper. Matthew, Mark, and Luke give you lots of detail about the Lord's Supper. Who's there, what goes on. We just have during the supper, dot, dot, dot. This is the account that described the event but not what's going on in the event. Other than it was during the Passover or pretty close to it. Just a, a day or two before Passover. We know that in verse 1. Jesus has been ta- taking all of these Jewish festivals. You know that because I've, I've told you that. He, he walked into the, the festival of Tabernacles. And, and when they took a bucket of water and, and, and poured it on the mercy seat and the holy of holies. He, Jesus walks in and he says, I am the living water. He, he waited until the, the, the pillars of, uh, 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 were lit at night to walk in and say, I'm the light of the world. Jesus is taking all of the Jewish festivals and saying, I'm the fulfillment of them. So he's walking into Passover and saying, I am the lamb that takes away the sin of the world. That's the very first announcement of Jesus Christ in the book of John. And it was done by John the Baptist. At Jesus' baptism, John says, Behold the Lamb of God who takes the sin. So we've almost completely come full circle now on the last 24 hours of Jesus' life to make that same announcement at a supper. And the only explanation we have of what's going on at the Lord's Supper is found in verse 3. And it has three parts to it. And it, it begins by Jesus announcing that he came from God. He came from his Father in heaven. And the point is is that the gospel at first announces Emmanuel that God has come into the world. And taking on man without losing his deity, fully God and fully man. And I know that's hard in our Human 21st uh, century minds to to be able to mesh that together, and if we had more time, and we will at different points be able to go much deeper. But the first thing the gospel announces is that God came into the world and didn't cease to be God, but instead took on the form of a man so that he'd have the nature of man, so that he could die for man to rescue his creation. But it doesn't just say he came down; he came down with a purpose. He came up with a purpose to say, verse 3 also says, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands, know that that is uh, not a euphemism, but a way to communicate his mission, his purpose. That is the way that that Paul describes all, all things were created by God, all things are held together by God, and all things will be made new through Christ. So this idea that the Incarnation finds its meaning, its explanation in Good Friday, the Incarnation makes no sense without knowing that he came, but also why he came. He came because his people in his world were cursed. Augustus Toplady writes a beautiful hymn and has this one line where it says that, "Be of sin, the double cure." What's the double cure? The hymn goes on, cleanse me from sin's guilt and power. That is, Jesus came because sin had changed our state from innocence to guilty. We were guilty before it. It's not just a, a, a declarative statement of a court, but that is also true. Is that we carried the guilt? That is a corruption that invaded every fiber of our being. And therefore, Jesus became the cure to that because he took us from the state of guilt to the state of innocence, not because we did something right, but because of his right was given to us. But it's not just that cure. He's the double cure. He's not a single cure. He's a double cure because sin is not simply what we do, but it's what does to us. This is what God says uh, to Cain when he says, Sin is crouching at your door. It wants to overpower you. It wants to pounce on you. It wants to control you. Paul will say in Romans, I do what I do not want to do. Jesus is the double cure. He has come to defeat sin so that you don't have to do sin. And sin cannot do you. That's the double cure that the Lord's Supper points to as we reflect on it. How did Jesus accomplish that? You have to go to Mark 10.45 that tells you that. That the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve, how? To become a ransom for many. That is, He became the payment for sin to be that double cure. But it also says, not only did He come down, and He came down to rescue, but it also It says that he's going back to God. You see that in verse 3. He's talking about his resurrection. That literally the Lord's Supper doesn't just point backward. This is what's so great about the Lord's Supper. It's not just a past event. There's a present reality that we participate together. But there's also a future pointing. That when he's coming back to make all things new. And it began with his resurrection as the first fruit of making all things new. Good Friday displays the ugliness of this world. We hung Christ on a cross. You weren't present, but it was for your sins for whom he died. And Easter is a display of the new world breaking into the old. His resurrection is the start of this new world. And the church, we proclaim that message to a world. If it's true, one, we should not be hiding that under a bushel because it's good news. If he truly is the double cure for our state and the power, then why in the world are we hiding that from the world? But if it's not true, then we are wasting our time here. There are a lot of other things we could be doing. But if it is true, then nothing can keep us from being together to proclaim that message to ourselves and to the world. But he also gave him a foot washing. You see that beginning in verse 4. He rises from that supper. Having loved his own. We're in the world. He now showed them the full extent of that love. That is, think of these tools this way. If the Lord's Supper is the proclamation of his message as the double cure. The foot washing is how that message is delivered. Think about this. Some make too much of the foot washing. They've institutionalized it. That literally, we're supposed to be washing each other's feet. When in reality, he's talking figuratively. Because he's going to say, do as I have done to you. What has he done for us? Not not simply washing the feet. The washing the feet only point to the way by which we do the mission. The way in which we engage by proclaiming this message, we foolishly think that this method, this this mission, is our responsibility. It is not. It is, it is God's responsibility to affect the mission. It is our responsibility to do the three things that we are responsible to do. Believe the gospel call each other to live in line including people out there in the line with that gospel message and then pray that the holy spirit brings new life to death to bring about the change because it is his work to bring about that change our role is to proclaim and to live and to pray how does foot washing fit this division of labor Jesus says in verse 8 if I do not wash you you have no share with me. He's talking about the his work there. How does how does Jesus do that? We're the ones who look for might and power, right? We're the ones who think if we can get the right politicians into the right positions, if we can get get the right people on the right picket lines, if we get the right people who write the right letters, if we get the right things done, then it's all going to fall into line and everybody's going to live in line with the gospel. That's not how it works. Jesus washes their feet. It is by low, it is by humility, it is by vulnerability that Jesus... Has decided is the method by which his mission is going to be accomplished because that's exactly what he did And that is exactly what he means. I did this. Now you do it to one another That is that we treat one another. Here's what he's saying. Don't miss this point We proclaim the message But we also proclaim the message in how we love one another That is, the world looks at us Think of yourself as a theater, not as the participants. And we can get that impression that because we come on Sunday morning and we sit in our favorite pew, we sit by our favorite people, that we are consumers, that we are spectators. When in reality, we're the actors on the stage in the way in which we love one another. When we love one another well, the world sees that. That's what you're going to see next week at John 1335 when he says, the world will know that you are my disciples by what? By your love for one another. The way in which we love one another is a key tool for the advancement of the kingdom that God has chosen because the world watches. You see... Pew just finished uh, a recent a survey on religious groups. And w- the question that they were, or the, the, the thing that they were trying to measure is, how does America view different uh, denominations, different religious sects in America? The only group that went down in favorability was evangelicals. Every other religious group in America either stayed the same or went up. It's just ask somebody on the street. Just challenge you, somebody you don't know. What do you know about evangelical Christians? Do you know what they're going to say? Do you, I don't even have to tell you what they'll say. Let me tell you what they're not going to say. Jesus Christ incarnated as a human being so that he could be the double cure for sin. What they're going to say is the things that we don't get along. That we don't get it right. And you know what you're supposed to answer? Duh. We don't get it right all the time. We don't always love each other the way we ought to love. You know what the difference between us and the world? is? not that we don't fight. We don't have disagreements. We don't get it wrong sometimes. We don't love each other as well as we ought to. That's just like the world The difference is We don't leave it there We try to make what we have done wrong, right? That's called repentance That's the difference How we love one another is a major tool of the mission Not as much as the message, but the message without bearing witness to that message by changed community you notice, I didn't say "Just change lives. That's where we want to run." But changed community, those are the two major tools. How do we know that? He spends the next four chapters explaining that. He gives you these two pictures, a family meal, and a foot washing, and then he turns to a message and says, "Okay, here's my last words to you. It's going to go for four chapters. Obviously, he didn't call it chapters. That doesn't exist for many more centuries. But he begins to explain that to us in this farewell speech. And he says, you don't understand this now, but you will. You're going to understand what I'm talking about here. Let me end with this illustration, and then we'll go to the Lord's Supper. The way that J.R.R. Tolkien tried to get this concept across. If you know the, the trilogy that ended up being movies, The Lord of the Rings... And most of you probably have seen the movies and not read books. But did you know that the book originally was not three books but one? He wrote it all over of time, submitted it to the publishers, and the publishers rejected it. They rejected the book simply because it was too long. It was during uh, the Great Depression going into a World War II, and they, they wanted to conserve paper and ink, printing. And they said, "Can is there a way to divide this book up? And they they did. The very first book's called The Fellowship of the Ring. He chose that title because he wanted it to be a description of the church on mission. The mission was that they would they would go and and take this ring that was going to cripple and destroy the curse upon the world, he called Middle-earth. And that he that this band of of brothers, and you can say sisters, eventually there are sisters that get involved in the in, in the fellowship. And how they live together, how they fellowship together, helped them actually to accomplish the mission. It wasn't that the fellowship of the ring, the ring was the emphasis. In fact, if you watch the movie, they rarely focus on the ring. It's almost all exclusively on the fellowship, because that's where Tolkien wanted it. Because the church is... is Multicultural. It's multi. It's diverse. Look, you had a wizard and a and a warrior. And you had a, an elf and a dwarf and hobbits. He said that's just like the church. The very first church had a doubter and a deceiver. He had he had a fisherman and a tax collector, and that's the way the church is. It's rich in diversity and how we fellowship together matters. How we treat one another, the least of us, matters. Because the world is watching and the mission is at stake when we don't love well and we don't fix when we don't love well. Because the world is watching us. Somehow we've got this impression that God is taking bad people and making good. But in reality, all he's doing is taking good people and making them halflings. He's making us all into hobbits. Because hobbits, they're not out for the glory, they want the fellowship. Because the journey is as important as the end. That we are together, and that the world sees that we are together and then wants to know what put us together. And that is the message that Jesus Christ is the double cure. So let's pray. Father, thank you so much for these beautiful people in this room who you've called together for this purpose. All of us with all the gifts, talents, and abilities, where the least of us can make the biggest difference for the mission. Because they're not looking, they're not looking for glory or power or might for themselves, but for you. Help us to be humble and vulnerable, loving, repenting, so that the world might hear clearly the message that Jesus Christ is the double cure. We pray, Heavenly Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's begin to prepare our heart to come to the family meal together. We are... The way that we've been doing this last few months, and hopefully we're we're getting the hang of it. But basically, the elders are going to serve you. So uh, in a moment, you're going to get up out of your seat. And you're going to come, this group's going to come down this aisle. This group is going to come down this side of the aisle. Let's don't all come down in the middle. And this group's going to come down this side of the aisle. This group over here is going to come down this aisle. And you guys are going to be served right here. All right, so you won't have to run into each other. We learn every time we do this. But there's something beautiful about God's people receiving what this points to from the people that God has called to lead you. With all their frailties and faults and sometimes lack of loving. But they are the chief repenters in the church. Because you and I will never learn repentance if we don't learn it from them. And so we're going to do that in a moment as you kind of uh, come forward to the, to the person that will serve you. Uh, please take the bread and then the juice. Uh, you Take it right there. If you want to take it back to your seat, you can take it back to your seat. That would be just fine. But if you want to take it right in front of them and then drop off the cup in the basket as you, as you uh, exit the, the lane. And then just return to your, to your seat. We're going to sing a song while while this is going on. If you want to just sit there and quietly uh, contemplate what God has done for you, just do that right where you see. Come when you're ready. There's no hurry. It really doesn't take us very long because you're doing all the moving. May God bless your soul by what he gives you today. It's just bread and it's just juice. But what it points to is never just anything. It is the body of Christ, the blood of Christ, the double cure. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for this, your grace and mercy to us. Take these common elements, this bread and this juice, and make them uncommon, holy, for this purpose, to nourish the souls of your people, whether they're members of EP or not. In Jesus' name, amen.